0: Welcome to Late to the Party, episode 15. This is the Geeks Unleashed Book Club podcast, where in addition to our weekly podcast, we go through what are considered some essential graphic novels. Um, and so for this 15th episode, we're taking it all the way back to our month of May, where we did everything fantastic Four. We did the documentary about the unreleased film. We did the unreleased film and the three versions of films that we did get. So uh for this episode of the book club, we are covering *Fantastic Four: Full Circle* by Alex Ross, which came out last year, 2022. So, fairly, really, we're not that late to the party this time, for once.
1: No, no, we're not. So, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 as usual, Mark.
0: I'm Jasmine.
1: And we're joined this week, uh, well, this week, I mean, this, we, last time we did it, it was in December, so it's been a <laughs> while. Uh, we're joined this uh, on this book club occasion by Steph, uh, for, uh, aka Missing Link. Uh, Steph, welcome to the book club. Glad to be here. I've
2: I, uh, been meaning to do this for quite some time, so I'm, I'm glad I finally made it
1: uh well yeah i know cool. we've, we've invited you we've invited you a few times but glad that the stars have aligned this time around and uh yeah managed to get you on so um but yeah so i know like jasmine teed it up a little bit about late to the party but this was a book that was very much hyped last year and i felt th- i felt that it would be a nice addition to the book club considering what we did in may so
0: yeah it fits It all it's almost like we planned it on purpose <laughs> <laughs> um All right, so we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. So again, Fantastic Four. uh, The first appearance of the Fantastic Four was their very own book, Fantastic Four, number one, November 1961. And the Fantastic Four was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. It is comprised of four people. Shocking. Uh, Ben Grimm, (laughs) a.k.a. The Thing. Reed Richards as Mr. Fantastic. Sue Storm as the Invisible Woman. And Johnny Storm as Human Torch.
1: Uh, The art and script of this book is by Alex Ross. Colours by Alex Ross and Josh Johnson. And lettering is by Ariana Mahir. So, and that is it. It's quite a tight-knit group. So, um, before we go into the actual book itself, it would be good to understand everyone's sort of familiarity with the characters and the comics themselves. And actually, Steph, we'll we'll start with you. What's your familiarity... You know, how much have you read of the comic books themselves or the, the films? You know, what kind of, you know, where are you at with this before you jumped into this book? Um, you know, I've always been aware
2: of Fantastic Four. They're, you know, Marvel's first family. But um, out of all the main Marvel properties, i got to be honest and say that um, Fantastic Four is probably my least favorite. Not to say that they're bad. I just something I never kept up with. Um, you know, I watched cartoons when they came out. There was like a, a 90s cartoon, early 90s, mid 90s when I was a kid. Seen the movies, all of them. Not the um, unreleased one, though. I do have to watch that. But um, I started reading Fantastic Four maybe off and on, 2004, 2005. Um, Mark Wade was on it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I started reading consistently probably Civil War. When um, Black Panther and Stormer came on, and then through Mark Miller and uh, <laughs> Jonathan Hickman, so I'm, you know, I'm uh, I'm familiar with him, but I I'm not the biggest fan. I'd say
1: that was a long way of saying it. Sorry, <laughs> that's all right. No, that's fine. It's good to hear your thoughts. It's good to hear your thoughts, indeed. Uh, do you have a favorite Fantastic Four member?
2: Hmm. You know, when I was a kid, it was probably Human Torch. Johnny mm-hmm. Storm's just the cool guy. You know, flame on. But uh, over the years, it's grown to be Ben Grimm, the thing. You know, Uh, he's a very and uh, I don't say endearing. It's sort of endearing, but he's got a good heart for someone who, you know, in reality would receive a lot of crap and probably turn out to be bitter. You know, people are always like, "Oh, look at that thing or that freak," Mm -hmm.
1: something like that. So yeah, thing. What about you, Jasmine? What's your familiarity with these characters? And I know I know you covered quite a lot in May, but...
0: Uh the movies, I had never ever read a Fantastic Four comic before the movies came out. Um So my introduction would have been the very first film with uh Yolan and Jessica Alba. So that's my introduction to Fantastic Four. Um, which I like those movies, okay. At the time. We didn't really have too much else to compare them to. So they were they were good then. Uh, And then kind of going back and comparing them to the stuff that we have now, they're very, very lacking. Um, But I enjoyed, I enjoyed the movies for what they were. So I liked the characters that we got in the movies. And I saw a lot of potential in the characters that they tried to give us in the reboot. Um, So it's just, it's kind of too bad we're not going to get anything else coming from that group of characters. Uh, But yeah, so film is my I, other than this book i have never actually read a fantastic Four book so i am i am a movie kid when it comes to them Interesting. nice. There's it's a quite good start, nice
1: though. actually good stuff yeah yeah oh <laughs> well, well, yeah I'll, I'll probably i'll come back actually and ask your opinion as a entry way in for this book in a minute but uh for myself my first um time i read the fantastic four was well any character the fantastic four and the was the Probably the either the last or penultimate issue of the first volume, mm-hmm. uh, during the Onslaught saga when they were having a big crossover. That was when I first came across the Fantastic Four. Um, and I still remember a scene, and I can't remember if it was in their own book or one of the crossover issues with um I thought it was cool, like Bishop and the Invisible Woman. Uh like like I thought it was cool to see an x Mm-hmm. and so from the fact having never really oh yeah like, yeah you know, was quite new to comics and i thought this was pretty cool seeing an x-man and a member of the fantastic four kind of teaming up and i still remember that where sue storm was sort of sending invisible energy into bishop because obviously part of his power is to recycle energy and he was recycling yeah. her energy to I, I assume it was probably to fight onslaught i can't remember now but uh, i thought that was pretty cool I, I love seeing team ups like that but anyway then I jumped into that whole Jim Lee Wildstorm, uh, volume two, Fantastic Four reboot that they did. And, um, I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that stuff. And, um, was that the re- return, Reborn? Yeah, Reborn. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. the he- Heroes Report. When they did the Heroes Reborn, yeah. and actually, out of those titles, the Fantastic Four was probably the best book that they they had. Uh, I really love well that that and uh, that and Iron Man were the two best ones. Avengers and Captain America were, were fairly terrible, um, but no, Fantastic Four and uh, Iron Man were brilliant. And then out of all those books, the only one I stuck with, to be honest with you, was the Fantastic Four. I, so I picked up all of the return titles, um, and I did when they when they all came back to the main Marvel universe. I picked up all of the sort of first few issues of each one, but the only one I carried on with was the Fantastic Four. Um, and I, I loved how they sort of came back and while they'd been away they'd lost the Baxter building and all this kind of stuff eventually they did get the to building back but it became eventually Mark Wade and um what's his name Ringo Um, and I read all of that run uh, but I actually jumped off because you said you carried on you came into it when um, I think you said Jonathan Hickman and everyone came on I unfortunately right. didn't ca- I didn't carry it on and I'd heard really good things about Hickman's run but I loved Mark Wade's run on the comics, and I, I think they launched a spin off in the Marvel Knights imprint. Um, I think it was called Four Marvel Knights Four or, or something, something like that, and it was a much more um grounded approach. Uh, I think they were going after a um, what's his name, Grant Morrison style, because he was at the time doing New X Men and they wanted something similar. And there was a whole controversy because they were going to kick Mark Wade off the book, and fans had an uproar uh, and kept Mark Wade in the book. And so I read all of that run. And then that's it. I kind of left the Fantastic Four, and I let it do its same thing. I think I read it. Oh, actually, no. I returned to the Fantastic Four again during Marvel Now, and I read some of that. And I and they also had a two titles at the time. I think it's FF and Fantastic Four. I read both of those, and I enjoyed those. But and I think what we said, um, I uh, yeah, I think what we said before we start recording this is much more stripped down about these four. What what happened when I came to, to Marvel Now was. This much bigger family. And uh, they had the the Fantastic Foundation or whatever it's called. And I I um tried to read some of Dan Slot's run, but it's just unreadable garbage. And I, I I after the first after about six issues, I just had to jump off. I just I honestly was just like, what is this this basically garbage? Garbage. <laughs> what made it uh, so bad? It was just unreadable. It was just completely unreadable. It was just so awful. like I just I don't know. I don't know what it was. It just, it was just unreadable. And I, I don't know whether or not it was because they hadn't had a fantastic four book for years and whether mm-hmm. or not he was struggling to bring them back and in a cohesive way, or I, I don't know what it was. Look, I've, I've got most of the run still. Maybe one day I'll go back to it. But anyway, I have read the first seven or eight issues of the current run. And I, I mean, I, it's okay. Like, it's okay. I wouldn't say I love it, but it's okay. So I probably feel it's I've right. read, I've read a lot. And I do love the, the sort of the family, the Fantastic Four, and but I don't like now I feel like, really does the name Fantastic Four suit the book? because it's so big now with their two children and they have a lot of other characters around them now, which I just mm. sometimes feel like actually does this title work for them. And I understand Fantastic Four is part of the branding in the comics world. but when you've got the two children that are very much part of the book and and they have a lot of other other sort of creatures in and around the title. You just feel like, should they not? And I know there was a book called something like Fantastic Force or something like that. They, maybe they should think about rebrand like now. But I, I get it. I get it. Fantastic Four is a well-known brand. It just doesn't feel like it suits it in the current Marvel world where they've kind of grown outside the four of them. But, yeah, that's. I guess i will probably a little bit more familiar. I don't read it continuously. I kind of, it's a book I jump in and out of now, but that Mark Wade run for me was was an epic run. I thought it was really good. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend people to read that again. One of my favorite standouts was that was um, in that run was when Ben Grimm dies and they go to heaven um, and get him and bring him back from heaven.
0: I'm sorry, Uh, wait, hold on. The Fantastic Four was like, yo, Jesus, you got our boy up here. (laughs) We don't need him <laughs> back. Can we please have him back?
1: I, sure, can't um, I, can't, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. remember the whole ins and outs of that. But it was. So Ooh. with the Fantastic Four, they're adventure adventurers, uh-huh. and I remember reading right. something at the time was, you know, where's the one place they've never been, and it was like heaven. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it was. It was something like that. Like They'd be uh, everywhere. Okay.
0: Now that one, I might have to read. I might have to yeah. read that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So anyway, I guess we've all got different levels of familiarity. And I know know Robbie, he reads, Robbie from Pop Culture Philosophers, he reads this book regardless of whether it's good or not. He buys every single issue. I think, I don't know how far his run goes back, but I have heard him mention this, that he reads everything. And I I mean, I I think that's quite disciplined because I, from what I've experienced, it hasn't always been great, but... Uh, fair, fair play if fair play if you're a fan so um, you know what th- you oh sorry i was gonna say no. you made me
2: think i it wasn't mark way was my first that's when i started to consistently but i remember um when they did the reborn stuff it was like scott lobedale and alan davis were on it and then chris claremont yeah came before on Mar- before, Wade.
1: Yeah, before mark yeah, Wade. Yeah, yeah 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 okay so i so had a few good, of those issues good. Yeah, it's a Scotland and um, what's his name, Laroca? He did the art, didn't he? Salvador. So yeah, La Roca, La Roca. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love his art style. Like his art style, just it's just amazing. I like, he did yeah. most of the extreme X Men run, and just amazing run. I don't have it on anymore, unfortunately. I sold it, but yeah, it's a beautifully illustrated run of comics. So, uh, any anything he does is is beautiful. I think so. Yeah, and then. Mm. So, um, now let's move on to the book itself. While we're here, uh, fantastic four full circle, and um, Steph, do you want to just give us a bit of a summary on kind of the plot of the book? Um. Yeah. Uh, this I is. Oh, what's I was going to say I know the plot isn't massive, but just <laughs> no.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not super dense. It's not complicated. It's like a. It's a blast from the past. Um, so put some. Old foe, the Fantastic Fours, makes his return and he's causing trouble for them again, and they have to figure out why, pretty much. And of course, this adventure ensues because of that. So, so this is a story, this book, it is great. I enjoyed it a lot, but it's, you know, if you're looking for a, a dense story or something compl- complicated, complex, it's not. Here. it. Art's nope. gorgeous, not. though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Art is um, complex
1: yeah yeah we'll talk about the art in a minute and one of, the, one of the next things I'd like to ask is how did you read it so Steph how did you read this
2: I read this on my tab- tablet actually mm-hmm. um, I was not I'm going to get this in the hard copy but yeah I read this digitally and I feel like this would read differently way differently physically just mm-hmm. printed on the um... yeah uh, yeah I read it digitally sorry guys
1: no, 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 it's fine. I, no, I, I like to ask. I was I digital to what, too. I want to know what <laughs> like, what your th- what your thoughts are and your experience because obviously everybody now that you know two thousand twenty three everybody reads these things differently and mm-hmm. clearly clearly you can't audiobook this but like but, um, <laughs> but, but like what's your what's your interpret, you know what's your experience of reading it off screen and like you say because um, it was so visually rich this book you know. Yes. How, how did it feel reading it off the screen? Like, you know. It,
2: it was fine, but I, at, at certain times I got a sense that, man, this panel would have probably looked way better, you know, laid out on a page. Or it's, I feel like it was, the book was designed to be a book, of course. And that, you know, they have to translate that when they make it digital and some things don't, um, not that I couldn't see anything, Clear. everything was clear and fine but it was just I just felt like reading it physically might have been a
1: better experience but it was still a great experience mm-hmm. I still it was very cohesive mm-hmm. how about you Jasmine you read it digitally as well what's your thoughts on reading it digitally
0: I loved it digital because when it got to the point where we got this like neon nightmare which this panel behind <clears throat> me is probably my favorite two-page spread from the whole comic but like it just felt like the colors were so vivid and bright on the screen. Uh, so it was... Plus, like, I read it on my desktop, and I've got a 32-inch monitor. So it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's sizable. Like, it, it was it was bigger than just reading it on my laptop. So it didn't quite feel to me as... as I, I, I guess because I read it on such a big screen, it didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. Um, uh-huh. And I guess with the color calibration, it just it felt really vibrant um and so i just i really got a kick out of it yeah like at at the beginning before they get to the you know negaverse or whatever it's called like the colors are a bit more muted and soft but once we flip over to this part behind me it was just kind of like at that point i was like man i'm all in on this now
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um you, I know you're in the process of moving and downsizing a little bit.
0: Yeah, as that as, too. Uh,
1: <laughs> Steph said that he might pick this up in hard copy. Do you think you'd ever go back and get it or are you happy with
0: I don't know because I really like I really like the way it looks on a screen. Mm-hmm. Um so I I might not. Like other stuff like when we've done stuff like Pulp. Uh I originally bought Pulp as a digital copy and then had to immediately go back and buy a hard copy as well. Um I don't feel as compelled to have a hard copy of this one
1: because yeah, I think I it, with, it looks
0: really pretty on screen.
1: I remember with Pulp, you read it and then like instantly went and bought a hard copy Yeah, because you were like, I've got to get a hard copy. Have you yeah. read Pulp, by the way? Is that, uh, is that the Brubaker? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I've not read it yet. Okay. It's
0: so well, good. It's so
1: uh, good. We won't talk about that, but honestly, you should read it. So, um, I read it in hard copy. Like, uh, well
0: look at you mr fancy pants I don't, i'm not trying to sound like that
1: like <laughs> I don't, uh, uh so obviously for a listener it is it's quite it's quite thin in all honesty mm-hmm. um yeah it, i've got the hard copy and it comes with a dust jacket and the dust jacket actually um, apparently i read afterwards can be used as a poster um i won't be using it as a poster um but it, what's cool is second page in on the hard on the dust cover is a intro to the Fantastic Four themselves. Mm-hmm. So, it's bro- did you guys have this intro on the digital copy? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, this intro here just covers essentially the origin, which I think most people are familiar with about how they gain their powers from being on a spaceship which crashes on Earth and essentially yeah, cosmic radiation, etc., gives them their abilities. Mm-hmm. But like like you guys <clears> thought about. This this book here. Um, I just want to flip to some of these. There's so many like amazing double spreads where mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, wow!" Yeah. Like, yeah. so th- this one here, when they've decided that they're going to head off to the negative zone, and I love action sequences like this where you see the four of them running, and Reed Richards is like uh, throwing on his um, costume. I- I've seen mm-hmm. that so many times in in Convict Runs where you see the team charging towards, um, you know, t- towards the page as it were. Um, and you see them throwing on their costumes or whatever. I, I love seeing that double spread there. And and then the next one is when they're in the, in the negative zone arriving. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's just, it's so visually vibrant. I loved reading this. <clears throat> and, yeah, there's a few times I did say like up front, uh, sorry, out loud what like wow like yeah me just,
0: too like, like mm-hmm. every time
1: i turned the page almost i was like wow this is just amazing so I'm, I'm glad i've got it in hard copy and that i can pull it out and just look at the artwork to be honest so yeah yeah um and i think that's quite a nice way to head across to what are our thoughts on the artwork and and steph do you, do you want to go first what's, what what's your thoughts on the artwork during this book like the like the the huh? the, the, the as the colors and and the illustrations mm-hmm i thought it was outstanding uh
2: it, i it's you know alex ross is someone who's known for his distinct style and he's done it for years so i didn't think there was like i feel like you know as with age people get set in their ways with anything and it's hard for people to change up their style so late in the game and it's like there's a very you can tell it's him but it's different than his usual stuff and i uh, i respect it i it it I Jasmine said it beforehand, but I didn't know he was going for that whole sixty seventy vibe. But he definitely, I felt it was very like popish. The art, you know, very pop art. Mm-hmm. But I in psychedelic. But I didn't know that was like his goal. But if that was his goal, my man knocked it out the park. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels. It, I don't. Know, in turn, I guess the color adds to it, but it um, it feels like an old school comic book just done. Today, you know, like a in between issue of some old school issue, uh, I think Stanley and Jack Kirby would be proud. This was a just like you guys were saying, every page there's something to kind of marvel at or like, wow, look at the detail or the colors. So I was, I was really impressed. I did not think I knew. I was expecting greatness because it's Alex Ross, but this really blew me away. And I was, you know, I. I like to be impressed, you know, I'm like, I don't think it's good. It's going to be good, but it's not going to be that good. But when it like surprises me,
1: you know, I give it its props. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I didn't, uh, I, I was actually, I just pulled up uh, Alex Ross's um, biography and I, I realized actually there's so much of his stuff I haven't read. Um, I haven't read, and I know you probably going to get shot for this. I haven't read Kingdom, I haven't read Kingdom Come. I haven't read Earth X, um, I haven't read Marvels, and they're all and they're all on the list of things we wanted to cover on the book club. Uh, and hopefully, you know, towards, you know, as we start to bring this back a little bit more regularly, um, hopefully we can jump into the other Alex Ross things. So I'm kind of disappointed in myself for my lack of Alex Ross coverage of my own self. But I am familiar with his art style because he, he does obviously a lot of cover work as well. And um, jumping into this, I'll be honest with you, I was, like you, shocked by just how good his work is. And I'm wondering if this might be the first full Alex Ross book that I may have like fully illustrated from start to finish that I may have read. So, um, yeah, so, but anyway, Jasmine, what are your thoughts on the artwork?
0: I loved it. And yeah. at first, like, the second page, where, right after they do, like, the backstory on the Fantastic Four, there's this really kind of muted orange and blue image of the girl. Oh, yeah. And because we had watched the uh, unreleased version, all of these characters, to me, look exactly like those characters from the unreleased <laughs> film. And that was the only way that I could, like, relate the two in my mind, because, for whatever reason, and maybe this is just like really good marketing or just because it was my first introduction. Whenever I think Fantastic Four, I think Chris Evans, Michael Chickless, Jessica Alba, and Yoan Gruffitt. Those are my four Fantastic mm-hmm. Four people. Right. So like <clears throat> again, having seen that unreleased film was like made it much easier to ease into this and like to, to get into the characters. Um, but like the way that he draws them and the detailing and the people, first of all, that part is great. But when we get to this psychedelic trip, like it's just so over the top and extreme. And it's almost just like, I don't even know where to look on the page. Like there's, there's something to look at everywhere. Like, it's just like a feast for the eyes. It is so vibrant and pretty. And it's just, it was so fun to kind of flip through the back half of this book when the colors really, really get going when they're in the negative worlds or the negative universe. Um, and I just enjoyed that part of it so much. So it was almost like I forgot I'm supposed to be paying attention to the word bubbles. And at that point, it was like I had to go back and remember to read the text because now I'm just like looking at the pictures and flipping the pages, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So like it it I think, though, it says a lot if you're reading a comic and like you get so caught up in the artwork that all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, this is not a picture book. It's a comic. I got hey, to read yeah. the words. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so like I had definitely gotten into the point where it was just like, I don't know who these people are and I don't know what that guy is talking about, but damn, this is real cool. Like (laughs) it was just like, it was so fun. So it it starts off kind of slow. It's very muted at the beginning Mm -hmm. with, with the colors and and with where they are. And then when they get to the new place, it's just like a color explosion. And that was kind of when I was like, I am along for the ride. Like I am, I am totally here for it. And I'm just going to see where this goes.
1: No, I What's i love, I love the artwork. I think it was amazing. It's some of the best artwork we've seen and i'm I'm so glad I've got this in my collection now. um the detailing and the facial expressions like there's a mm-hmm. panel quite early on with Reed Richard's face, uh the intensity in his face, but you know the lines in his in his face and obviously you can see the age of him as well
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the uh, shading the shading is really great in here too.
1: Oh no, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. I, th- I think the use of colors throughout, but I, I love the combination of the the sort of the talking sequences, the action sequences, like you just said, the psychedelic, and when they're in the negative zone, the, those sequences. Uh, how they incorporate uh, the different tonals between uh, mm-hmm. flashbacks and cut and current day, and and actually, mm-hmm. this is quite weird. Like, like, and I think before we started recording, we were all saying about where does this fit in? You know, is it in between issues forty five and forty six, or whatever it is? But they do. it this clearly fits in somewhere or mm-hmm. in, you know, and because obviously they reference things that happened in the past and, and but they mm-hmm. do a really good job of doing it. I know we're talking about the story here, but then they, how they, how they do that with the different artwork. I I love mm-hmm. sort of the different styles of artwork. This book actually has different yeah. different styles and different layers. Um, and it, it's just really rich in terms of rich and vibrant. And I just, I also equally love the, the, the use actually of the double page spread. Here you go, actually. This is this uh what you've got behind you. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so I, I love the honestly, this book was full of so many double page spreads. So I was like, I'd I'd frame that, I'd frame that, I'd frame yeah. that. Like uh, and this this at one point it felt to me like, is this one of these coffee table books that you know those coffee table yeah, books, kind you know, of. like like you know, it you, could be because
0: it's not heavy on the story at all. It's very, like, very like you know. an art heavy book. So it could definitely be a coffee table
1: book I would definitely leave this book sitting on my coffee table for people mm-hmm. to like I don't think people would flick through it because you know not everybody's appreciative of the of the amazingness of comics like that, <laughs> such, as, such as ourselves but if I left this on my coffee <clears> table <throat> people should definitely flick through it yeah uh, even if they don't read it, it, it the, the just the artwork is so That's good it's yeah. now making me want to go and buy other things that the that Alex Ross has done. so Yeah,
0: another thing I liked about the artwork is on some of those two page spreads, there were so many different dynamics on the page. It was like, there was one spread where you had an entire background, but then overlaid over the background were like these three windows. And each window was a different color tone that had a different character. Like it was just, even mm. the way that they laid everything out on top of itself was, it was just like, again, this was such a visual treat to to flip through and to read through.
1: On his biography, actually, he's done way more cover work than he has interiors. But oh a yeah, it, yeah, a lot of his interiors are are things that are well known. So like like the K- Kingdom Come and um. But yeah, I didn't realize actually. Uh, I think he seems to have done mainly DC, then Marvel, but actually he's done a few bits at Dynamite as well. So mm. um. I think that moves us nicely across the story and structure. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I don't mean to laugh things. There is a structure, and there is yeah,
0: uh, it's it's telling a story, but it is it's minimal. I mean, it yeah. is and and especially for someone like me who has no real background knowledge of the comics of the Fantastic Four, I was really worried coming into this that I would just have no clue what was going on. But I mean, granted, I didn't recognize the the bad guy or the other character that we meet in here Same. but i didn't feel like i lost anything by not knowing who they were um yeah so I'll even though yeah like All even right. even though it's familiar and they're pulling people from their own arsenal it just the story itself is small enough and just simple enough not necessarily mm-hmm. yeah. a bad story it's just a very simple story um it's it's really easy <laughs> to follow even if you don't have the background
1: do you know, I've I'm been sorry. Watching, um, I... sorry.
2: What's that? No, I was going to say giggle when Jasmine said it's a simple story because that was something Robbie is always saying when something's complex. So then, sorry,
1: um, it's a simple story. Oh, it's a simple, a simple story told in a complex way. It's all a complex story told in a simple way. He says something. He says something like that. Like, and uh, I get. Do you know what though? Actually, there's some truth to that because I think there is some complexities in this story. And and I think, but I, however, do feel it is told in a simple way. And when I was reading it, and maybe this is equally my fault for at the same time I'm not at the not at the very moment I'm reading this book, but um, uh, earlier in the day and last well in the last few days I've been catching up on uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, mm. uh, and mm. each each episode is is a bottle episode and kind of an adventure. They tell each episode is kind of an adventure. And the most recent episode I watched was again, it's typical the away party goes down to the planet and shit happens, and you know, all the rest of it. And um, and while the spaceships and uh, the ship was in space, uh, the Enterprise was in space and having to get its way through meteorites, and, and there's all this like, there was weird cosmic energy it was causing chaos with all their minds in this latest episode of Stranger Worlds. Anyway, as I was reading this book, I honestly have to say, I was getting real Star Trek. Uh, vibes from it and it obviously the story is very 60s and 70s Mm -hmm. but I was getting real way party vibes Mm -hmm. as I was reading this and it 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 obviously felt like one of those bottle episodes of Star Trek from the 60s Uh, and it because it was told very you know it it was told very quickly you know had a start obviously a middle and an end and it was all wrapped up and everybody was back home and they had tied a nice little bow around it towards the end and I was like this honestly felt like I was reading take away the superpowers but you know kirk and everybody heading down to a planet and there's all chaos going on and meeting new people and saving mm-hmm. the day and then heading off back to the spaceship mm. obviously which happens to be their planet uh, which happens to be the backs of building in this rather than their spaceship um i just have real star trek vibes from the whole story to be honest um yeah something something happens and i i, I don't know whether or not he was influenced by a star trek style. But it it definitely gave me that Star Trek uh, uh, feeling, sorry. Um, And we have talked about this before, the Fantastic Four are adventurers. Mm -hmm. And what we got through this was actually a really crazy adventure. Um, And whilst I don't think there was any real saving of the day, shall we say, but they came across that character that they'd referenced at the beginning. Well, they, they found a dead body of somebody who impersonated the thing. They then find him later on probably hence the whole full circle thing. Mm-hmm. And they, and the only thing they do in a way is save his day by giving him a nicer
0: a costume, suit.
1: Yeah. well, a suit to be in, rather than the sort of robotic metal suit that he's been living out of for the last few years. And and they kind of tie a nice, nice little bow on it. We also get like a whiz around the negative zone, which not everybody's going to be familiar with the negative zone. I'm aware of the negative zone and I'm aware of a, Nih- a Nihilus. Um, other than that, everybody else is quite new to me, but I felt like it was actually quite a nice family story as well, and I loved how Sue Storm was like, "No, Reed, you don't need to carry on telling me somebody's coming to our house, attacked our house where our kids are. Let's go!" Like, yeah. you know, they brought the fight to us. Let's bring the fight to them. And that's watched. actually, and I, and I forgot to say earlier when I asked you to about favorite characters, Sue Storm is my favorite of the Fantastic Four. I, I love her powers. I love her power set. I think her power set actually one of the most unrated power sets of, of Marvel comics. She's probably one of the most, for me, one of the most powerful characters you can have, obviously invisibility, force fields. And actually in the current run of the Fantastic Four, uh, they actually, she raised her threat level. She managed to create an eclipse over an entire town um, for a day um, because they had to kill, they had to kill off some, bacteria in or something or other and so she was able to use her powers to create an eclipse uh like blocking the sunlight and and that they and actually shield sort of spoke to us said we didn't realize how powerful you were and for me so storm <clears throat> is a really brilliant brilliant has a brilliant power set but I just love moments like that where you see Sue step up to the plate. It was like, no, no one's supposed to our family. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's go. So, and I've always loved that about Sue. I think Sue is a really strong character. So. She's the protector
2: of the family. You know, like it, she's always the one who kind of like take charge when something's not right. From what I've read, I'm not the biggest Fantastic Four fan, but she's kind of you know. I almost you know I read it's the leader, but I almost view Sue as the leader. You know, like, they're both leaders, but Sue, I feel, is, like, always the mama bear to everybody, like, taking care of Ben, think, Johnny, the kids, checking on Reed.
0: Sue's very so- team first, whereas Reed is like, yes. no, but what does the science Me say? First. And Sue is like, no, what are, <laughs> what are we doing to save the people?
1: I think, right. I think Reed, Reed's very much like mission first. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I, I think, I think really, let's be honest, Sue, Sue, Sue's in charge. Reed just thinks he's in charge. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I That's how I feel, anyway. So, um, no,
2: I, I definitely
1: agree. Like, like, anyway, in summary, I think it was a, as we made that joke, a simple story or a complex <laughs> story told in a, sim- in a simple way. So, um, it, it was a simple story, though, I think. I think there were, yeah. like I say, there's complexities in there. I think if somebody had never read the Fantastic Four or even watched the movies and maybe just didn't really get comics at all. The negative zone and all that craziness they might be like what what on earth is going on yeah but, well i think um... i'm
0: so used to like there always being that crazy plot twist that like the whole time I was reading it, I was like, we can't trust this guy. This guy's been stuck in this, in this other uh, anti-earth for all this time and you're gonna give him a suit. Watch, he's gonna come back and he's gonna be the one that like, and I'm just like making all these theories up in my head and then none of that happened. And I was like, oh, he he was actually a good guy. Okay, cool.
1: Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, um jasmine jasmine uh has added a point here about flashbacks and uh, we've talked about flashbacks a few times on our podcast and yeah. everybody has different opinions on whether flashbacks are good whether they're bad whether they're overused whether they become um an unnecessary plot point like arrow killed flashbacks oh my and, god uh, arrow oh my. pretty
0: much had entire seasons that were flashbacks and it's yeah, like yeah. okay show. Sure yeah
1: uh, uh yeah that they really they really shot themselves in the foot arrow yeah. with the flashbacks i think the flashbacks initially were good however i think the flashbacks in the end became uh a crutch that they needed to let go of uh, mm-hmm. and yeah it was, a, it was mm-hmm. unfortunate it was an unfortunate chain of events some of the flashbacks i'll be honest some of the flashbacks in arrow i think were done really well some of the flashbacks i loved so sometimes on some of the episodes i was like really like glued to the episode wanting to know about the flashback yeah. Um, but then sometimes I was like, oh, "I'm so done with these flashbacks." Mm-hmm. And then um, we've lost because Lost was a was a good one of flashbacks. I, I, I mean, yeah, Lost did flashbacks well. I would yeah. say Lost did flashbacks well. Um, but they also made a really good twist. I think it's season three onwards. Flash flash forwards where mm-hmm. they were showing moments in the future. So I thought that was cool too. Yeah. So you know what Lost also did. That was not
2: that good. Flash sideways.
1: Yeah, that that, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that that um, was what that was their one letdown. Your list. That was, really, <laughs> yeah,
0: that was just the one. Yeah, I enjoyed this
1: show. <laughs> that, that no, I,
0: a couple. Yeah, I think the, the overall consensus much. on our podcast, like between me and Mark, we for the most part feel like flashbacks are lazy storytelling. Sometimes yeah. we are surprised, and I think flashbacks are done well. Uh, I will say for this book. The flashback that we got made sense because the first thing they said when that guy came through the window was that's the guy that stole my face and now if you're gonna put a line like that in there of course i'm gonna be like when did you get your face stolen like who (laughs) who how how does this play into what's happening now so i think like the use of flashbacks here made a lot of sense just because i don't know who stole your face like i don't know how related that is to what's happening now so I I didn't mind it this time.
1: I think if you were reading, say, the current run of Fantastic Four and that was a run like that, or they may have done a similar thing, but one of the common things in ongoing books is they have a little asterisk and it says see Fantastic Four, you know,
0: 372
1: um, for more details, true believer, like or, or comic book fan or whatever, <laughs> like, you know, and you're like, well, I haven't got issues 372. Like, like, you know, Track them um, down. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, hold on a minute. Let me go to eBay. Whoa. That's, yeah. 60 quid. that's, that, that's 70 quid. No, I'm all right. Like, you know, I know. Uh, but I think because Alex Ross, the way he tackled this was, you don't need to read anything else. He yeah. Everything's explained yeah. well. And I think his use of flashbacks actually was told well. Mm. And to link it with the coloring, he changed the style for the flashbacks as well. What do you think of the use of flashbacks then, Kimis? I enjoyed him. I I'm with you
2: guys. Um, I was just thinking when you guys were talking about Arrow, I had to think back. I didn't finish Arrow, but I watched up to like season four, mm-hmm. and I remember they started off well because that's how they introduced people like uh, Deathstroke or mm-hmm. uh, what were they calling Slade, and yeah. he he was a really cool character. Yeah. And so I the second the season ad.
0: was when they best used flashbacks. That whole second season was about right. Slade Wilson and and how he played in. Like that was good, but any You're right. The rest of it after was that nice. kind of went down. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think when the so grade, You know some. Oh, sorry, no, I was going to say, sorry. when the flashback showed that actually he ended up leaving the island and going on weird missions, I was like
0: Yeah, that was when just- they <laughs> lost the plot. I, like, <laughs> I was like nobody like, cares yeah. about this. This doesn't make any sense. Like, but Also,
1: you guys are just like you ran out of ideas for him on the island now and you got stuck with this look, we would have been fine with him just sitting on the island for three years until he got rescued like, <laughs> you know, uh, we didn't need to see him. Yeah, we didn't need to see like- him going
0: to Hong Kong to assassinate right. people. Like that was yeah. that was ridiculous. Yeah.
1: So, but that's when they ruined flashbacks. So anyway, go on, Link. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. It's fine. I, I, I agree with you guys. I think it
2: was used well. Um, I did notice the subtlety of the coloring changes when they went with flashbacks. I Was it more like that blue? It had a, like a bluish tint to it? Mm-hmm. It's like a, um, a bluish
0: purple gray kind of. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was grayish. Yeah, It was gray bluish sort of, yeah.
2: I thought that was a unique choice um I find it interesting you know that well maybe the dialogue played into it but I almost felt like the coloring was a cue as well um Mm -hmm. that we as readers know that this is a flashback I'm sure the dialogue definitely played in that but it was an interesting usage of colors when going back to the past and um yeah I think it worked well for this book. It wasn't too heavy. They gave, they informed you just enough of what you need to know to get along through this story. And that was that, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Very well done though. Simple story. Simple story, complex, but simple. <laughs> complex, but simple. <laughs> oh yeah. The uh, one of the things I did like about the, the flashback part was the, the sl- slight overlap of, uh, you could only do this in comics. So it was a slight overlap of current and past where well, I think it was yeah. like Reed's head was sort of red. And then it was like, like, it was like the panel kind of overlapped and then showed um, the sort of the grey, bluey. It's almost like he's talking about the events and his head is slightly slightly overlaps. It, and that's pretty cool. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we we'll chat about themes as well. If there's a theme or a meaning behind this book and... I mean you could definitely say the Fantastic Four, like uh, like Steph said at the beginning, you know, Marvel's first family. This is mm-hmm. a family book. This is and Sue very clearly lays it out. This is a family book, just family. it's not, not family book. This is a family, you yeah, know, family comes first, you know, mm-hmm. take take the fight to to them, about, you know, they take the fight to us, etc. But one of the things that really jumped out at me was the last two panels. Um, so Reed's like leaning over the counter. And he's really contemplating, and he says it here. I actually read this this bubble. He says, "I wonder what it all reveals about a guiding hand over our lives. Are we merely play things to some greater force?" And the thing sort of snaps at him, going, "We're home. We're safe. Can't you just be happy for once?" And, mm-hmm. and I thought that was quite unique because Reed is obviously the science man, and and you know he he it's odd for me to see him contemplating faith and. Having an existential
0: crisis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Having, a, having,
1: a, <laughs> having a moment where he's like, is there a higher being? Is there a higher power? And and there's a lot of scientists who believe in God as well. So I'm not saying that that isn't possible, but it was quite nice to see Rick Reed thinking about faith and, you know, oh, is there a bigger plan and that kind of thing. I thought that was quite a nice moment to see in him. And you can see after sometimes a big adventure or, you know, when your life's been almost you know on the edge some people mm-hmm. do start to contemplate faith um yeah links have you got any thoughts on any themes or uh meaning behind oh, any of this so...
2: i kind of took it a different way with the last panel between the two of them i kind of like took it as like reed is always going to ask questions you know he wants answers for the questions that are asked he's got he's a curious mind and sometimes curiosity gets people in trouble it's gotten reed in trouble quite a few times and mm-hmm. i think i took it as like ben is like can't you just be satisfied for once, man. Like, you don't need the answers. Don't go digging. Just take it for what it is. Um, I don't know. I feel like that was almost a callback to, I'm not too familiar with the Fantastic Four's origin, but I, I want to blame Reed that the accident happened. And yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, like he kind of rushed Ben into doing it. And Ben was like, yo, I want a little bit more of information on what we're going up against here. And he was just kind of like, oh, trust me, old pal. And look at the results of that. So I felt like that was like Ben's way of saying like, my man, stop asking questions all the time, you know, just take it for what it is. You don't need to know everything. Um, But it was a cool panel to end off on.
0: Well, I think Ben did actually ask that question earlier in the book. He was like, why do you want to go there? Like, you don't know what this place is going to do to us Um, when they, especially when they changed into the suits because they had to have the special suits that converted their matter into antimatter, so they could be in the negative zone. Um, but like everybody else is in a full suit, whereas Ben is just in a speedo, <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like shorts again. Um, but like he, he is the guy in this group that can't blend in anymore. Right. So anytime right. something comes up, he's probably going to be the one that always questions it first. Cause he's like, what else are you getting us into? And like, who right. else is going to pay the price for your curiosity? Like you're saying, mm-hmm. like sometimes exactly. curiosity is not always a good thing. Um, One of the themes I took from this was just, like, you never know who is going to help you at some point. Like, that guy stole Thing's face. And he had, obviously, he had really bad intentions. Then him and Reed get knocked into this negative verse. And then he ends up sending Reed back to Earth. And so, like, this guy that came in with negative intentions ended up saving your life. And now you have the opportunity to give him something to make his life a little better you know hence the whole full circle thing oh, So yeah. I think a lot of it is <clears throat> the theme that i get is kind of like nobody is really sure like what their actions are gonna bring about right like there's always some kind of domino effect or the butterfly effect as as they say so it's it's always just kind of like on the one hand what thing says that's be like can't you just like enjoy this moment for what it is like why does it have to be something bigger but i can also definitely see reed pondering that over and over and over again like what if what what if yeah. this was fate what if this was meant to play out this way what if this guy came into our life for a reason whereas some other people that are a little less curious are just kind of like we survived the day like that should be enough
1: <laughs> yeah What's <that>? uh, <clears throat> yeah i, I that, that moment where they're about to go down to the sort of the negative version of earth and and the thing you know, ben was questioning mm-hmm that whole stance was like, look, last time we did something like this, I ended up like this. And then Sue was like, oh, you know, Reed knows what he's talking about. And I was like, well, you can see why Ben might be a bit apprehensive. You know, he's the one who turned yeah. really into a rock. He turned into a rock and all the rest of you got cool powers. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that's, not you know, the one thing I've always not liked about the thing is he doesn't have the ability to change back between human and the yeah. thing. And I know occasionally in the comics, and I have read it, where he has changed between human and the thing and but that never seems to last mm-hmm. and, I, and that, that's <clears throat> and something that sort of irritated me that he, and Reed for as clever as he is why is that the one thing he cannot fix like that, right. that's something that's really irked me whenever I've read a, a a Fantastic Four comic is why why can Reed not fix that one problem like, but I as, wonder
0: as, if that's a question that Ben also has like in in an underlying kind of not necessarily animosity but just like an underlying thing in the back of his mind like why why can't you fix me? Even great. even if he doesn't. Like, yeah, exactly. Like you're you're supposed to be this genius and you invent these things that take us to other realms and other dimensions and other worlds, but like I'm still a rock in a speedo. <laughs> like what the hell?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a great line. That was probably one of the best
1: lines. He was like, Oh, I'm still in a speedo, eh? You know, <laughs> you're all putting up costumes <laughs> and... um so <laughs> we we're we'll, we'll start to bring this to a close, but uh steph any final thoughts on on this um this is a great book
2: i think this is a, it's an all-ages book um the, some if you're an older reader of marvel from like its heyday i think this will read just fine if you're a new reader i think this will read just fine at the beginning you know i could kind of tell it was like one of those back-in-the-day books and I was like mm-hmm. oh man I don't know if I'm gonna be down for this but you know it, it read just fine you know it fit the story they were trying to tell it evoked that era um I I wish we could see more of this from Alex Ross or something you know some other Marvel character but I think it's, it does a great job of like giving you if it's your first if you're never if you've never read Fantastic Four before seen the movie I think this does a great job of instilling what they're about. You know the adventures, mm-hmm. the family dynamics. I think it does a great job with that. So,
1: mm-hmm. great time. Well, any further thoughts, Jasmine?
0: Uh, I would agree with that. I think you don't have to have any kind of real background knowledge to enjoy this book. Uh, it it's very short, surprisingly. A lot of times mm. we'll read these graphic novels and they're like two hundred some odd pages, whereas this one is half that, less than half that. Mm-hmm. Um it's a very quick bite. I think it's, it's, it's like, to me, it's a snapshot. You have this family that has all of these different histories and all of these different stories. They've been around since the sixties. It's a lot of history behind the fantastic four, but you can read this book and like Steph said, you get a really good kind of picture of who they are as a group Um, without it being so heavy or so, requiring you to have so much previous knowledge like there's no way somebody would be able to jump into movie number 24 of the mcu and then have any idea what the hell is happening right (laughs) whereas this really does feel like a standalone story it it has a beginning a middle and an end we they go they save the day they come back and you know and then they eat sandwiches put their pajamas on and go to bed like it's a very (laughs) it's a very tight kind of story it just doesn't there there is definitely a part of me that feels like read at the end. It's like the what if, like well, but what about this and 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 what about this, but not to the point where it's like I feel unsatisfied. Like mm-hmm. I'm very satisfied yes. with this contained story. Um as far as like the the reading experience, it does start off slow only because I am not familiar with the characters and like I said, if I had never seen the unreleased film, it would have been very hard for me to identify with the way that these fantastic four characters are drawn because in the three modern films we have a much much younger group of people so it was very different to see them all so much older and especially uh to see that Sue and Reed have, Reed have kids um and so like just getting into it but as soon as this book hits its stride it's just non-stop page turner from there um and i just kind of enjoyed the experience of it. Like, didn't have to have the background, but I still got to enjoy this really vivid, bright book.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I think this is a real good snapshot and it, it was very much 60s, 70s vibe. And it was a, a snapshot into a simpler time for the Fantastic Four. You know, we haven't got um, various different mutants or mm-hmm. aliens running around that they've managed to, <laughs> I don't know, adopt from the Kree empire or whatever <laughs> late, late, latest thing that they're doing at the time and um it's much more stripped down to the the Fantastic Four their children well their children are, are barely in it to be honest yeah uh, and you know they, they cover it all you don't need to go and pick up another issue everything's explained really well but it's a really beautiful book as well. Uh, I'm glad I had the opportunity to pick this up. There was a lot of hype around this book last year. I heard a lot of people talking about how they really enjoyed it. I saw this on a lot of top tens of last year, and I just really wanted to make sure I, whilst I'm late to the party, uh, <laughs> wanted to make sure I actually read this read this book. And you yeah, know, yeah. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I would actually happily read this again. I think it was really beautiful to look at and it yeah, it's oh, yeah. It's, it's a really good um entry point to a fantastic four story. So yeah. You know, we um, always
0: talk about like how would you help someone that really is not into com- like how would you help someone get into comics? this could be a really great recommendation because i think this book it's small enough it's contained enough you don't have to have the background but it also lets people that are very new to comics see just how big of a story they can tell and like this artwork behind me like it's it gives them the opportunity to see why this is such an important medium like i feel like this tiny book still has so many important elements about comics in general that from now on, oh, yeah. if if people are like, okay, so if you've never read a comic before, where would you start? I would probably recommend this as a really good starting point. And if you kind of like the vibe and the feel and the whole experience of this book, then you could probably get into a whole bunch of different um, other types of comics. But I think this is a really good entry level point just because it doesn't carry the weight of the entire franchise behind it.
1: I think actually you're right there. I would, Definitely. This is actually something I should recommend. I, I tend to recommend um, Fables or Why the mm-hmm. Last Man. As, they you probably... See,
0: you recommend stuff that's not superhero-y because it's so hard to give someone an entry point for a superhero thing just because mm-hmm. there's so much history behind it. But this, this feels so self-contained that it could be a perfect kind of one-off. Like, mm-hmm. if you like this mm-hmm. book, then mm-hmm. you might like XYZ as well, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: No, you're right. I Definitely. will add this to my list of things to recommend. <laughs> to... It's very rare to come across. I uh, actually do not. I recommended Pulp uh, a few months ago as well, but again, mm-hmm. a non-superhero book. So. Right. um Anyway, Steph, thank you for joining us. Yeah, on thanks, man. Episode 15 well, of The Lakers. Thank you to guys for having me on. Uh, no, my no, honor. At all. Um, before we go, is there anything that you've got coming up, whether that's in the next few weeks or the rest of the year, anything like any plans for yourself? um uh tuesday i do a little show on
2: instagram with uh, a friend of mine uh dr doom's fan club it's called supreme clientele we just kind of talk about hip-hop and comics and nothing too strict just just you know sit down talking um sometimes we'll have themes or categories and sometimes we're just free flowing but Mm -hmm. yeah that's no wednesday my i think i said tuesday
1: but every wednesday
2: at 9 p.m on instagram
1: yeah yeah um so um, he's stolen you from uh, doing The, uh, the Last <laughs> of Us. <laughs> we got to do another um, show. No, no, no. We'd have to pick another show to jump on. So, <laughs> um, so oh, in case anyone listening is like, what the hell? Me and Steph for, um, I don't know how many episodes it was. Eight episodes or something. We Nine episodes. Well, we since all- you guys yeah.
0: like PlayStation video game adaptations, why don't you do Twisted Metal?
1: Yeah, we could do Twisted Metal. Great idea, jess yeah. I'm that, just yeah.
0: saying, I'm just I'm just trying to help you guys out here.
1: Yeah, we should we could do twisted. I appreciate it. I, <laughs> I have thought about that. I, I yeah. So and and one last question for you, Steph. Is there anything that you would like to recommend for a listener? Like is anything essential any essential graphic novels you feel should be added to the pile, someone's backlog? Are we just talking in general or just like superheroes? No, in general it doesn't, in
2: general, have, to, it doesn't have to be in superheroes. General, I'm a big fan of black science. I feel like that's a... Oh yeah, I've heard of that. That's Rick Remender, Remender yeah. some people correct me, and Mateo Scalera, um, it's very similar to Fantastic Four. They just don't have powers, but it's like a, a family, a group of family essentially, is traversing the multiverse and a bunch of problems ensue. Um, I'm kind of a Rick Remender stand, so mm-hmm. I'll stand by anything he does. But yeah, I think that's a good one. Black like Science.
0: I remember oh, when I that check. came out, uh Free Comic Book Day, was when one of the first issues of that one came out, uh f- god, uh, f- several years ago at this point. <laughs> and I remember that was probably one of my favorites that I'd read at the time, but I just never went back and like nice. finished it. But I'm going to have to get I'm going to have to pick that up again.
1: When, when when did it come out? How long ago? it's been about
2: like maybe tw- early 2014 or late 2013 it's been a very long time
1: yeah I, I remember that coming out and i don't think i've ever read it but like you i always think rick Remender does some good stuff like he whenever whatever i've read of his i always really enjoy so didn't he do I, I descender know. no that was uh that
2: was uh, uh jeff lemire uh,
1: jeff lemire oh, okay yeah, okay who, who, who did sweet tooth so ah. um well there's a do you know what? i just googled black science there is a lot uh, of the, of the pa- of the tr- thinner trade paperbacks. There's over six volumes of that, but they have released, uh, they are releasing some collected hardcovers. So volume one is a deluxe hardcover. I assume that probably covers the first three or something. That's. yeah. 45 quid wow that's a lot of money um so i would i would probably try and see if i could pick up cheaper paperbacks somewhere else so well, apparently yeah. people
0: still like it enough to drive the price up that much so that's a good recommendation to yeah <laughs> thank you
1: um, so thank you for joining us Steph, and and obviously this really actually i really enjoyed this episode i think it's yeah it's a really good episode i really enjoyed doing it i'm glad you're on hopefully get you back another time um now, we. this is our last episode. Uh, we're going to take all of August off. Okay. Uh, we'll be back in September for our Normal Geeks Unleashed um, themes. I think the first episode back, we'll be covering Secret Invasion. But mm-hmm. we're also planning to bring the book club back September, October time. Yes, Jasmine and, and have...
0: potentially one of Mark's favorite guests.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you checked her availability?
0: I uh, will. I will. Okay. I will send her a message and I will ask. <laughs>
1: She's a very intelligent lady, which I, I yes. love having her on. We won't say any more, but we will hopefully bring her back. But anyway, yeah. you can follow us on social media. with are Geeks Unleashed Everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So please come say hello. Oh, actually, and Steph, where can they find you? Uh, missing link underscore comics
0: at Instagram.
1: Okay. Give Steph a follow over there as well.
0: And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, we're everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends.
1: So tell me, good journey.
0: (laughs) Good journey. (laughs)